Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Professional Services Pursuit. For part two of our recording from a SOTA webinar, we recorded with Brian Williams, founder and CEO at Viget, and Andrew Howlett, partner and CEO at Struck. In this second part of the conversation, we took a look at some areas of agency business that are seeing positive indicators for 2024 and where Brian and Andrew are cautiously optimistic for the year ahead. You know, we get a lot of market indicators and certainly listen quite a bit to the um, existing clients as well as partners. And, and we have the benefit of as well, like talking a lot to the management consulting space and seeing these indicators. Most, I think, feel there's a sentiment that some clients spend rebound occurring at or around mid-year next year. What's interesting I've always found about this space is that we're we're more or less bellwethers, right? I mean, when clients begin to economize, of course, consulting and marketing spend can be it, it can be reduced before they start cutting into their own headcount. But conversely, when things start to pick up again, the agency world sort of feels at first. What Brian, start with you. You know, what are what are your what do you sense with your with your current clients as you're you're getting into 2024 planning? And of course. You know, we're recording this here on December 14th, and there was a, um, you know, the Fed, Jerome, uh, JP, noted that um, rates were more or less frozen, and, and we could begin to maybe appreciate the potential possibility of some rate cuts next year, going down up to 75 basis points. So clear kind of signal to the market. From your your clients, what are you sensing if you had to you know, throw a dart or or cast a wager for some moderate spend increase. I go back to that the word Andrew used of uncertainty. To me, interest rates don't have to be dramatically lower as much as it, it needs to be clear what they will be so that businesses can price in whatever the cost of money is going to be and then evaluate various initiatives accordingly. When there's a low cost of capital and you can invest in new innovation projects, agencies like ours that often come in to help with those initiatives can do really well. We can pivot in our world of software development into tools that help clients save money. So it's still a capital cost, but it's a, it's, it's a way to, to lower their ongoing costs, particularly when the cost of people can be so high. You know, I still think there's opportunities on either track and we are seeing clients probably just be a little bit more realistic about saying, okay, I can't just freeze spending forever. My competitors are going to leapfrog me if I do that. So now I understand a little bit more what the cost is for these projects. And now I can kind of stack rank things and prioritize things better and have real strategic discussions about what is worth a certain level of investment. And we can get in into that. So I think on a macro level, um, we'll see things get out of that uncertainty chaos that we had this year where it's just hard to make decisions and we'll start to see some decision making that'll lead to lead to some uh, reasonable work on a more micro level we're we're also seeing return to office thing be a create an opportunity for us we're seeing some clients who have an, a return to office mandate in their hiring practices and they're struggling with that as a stopgap they're able to leverage agency talent to kind of address the near-term work opportunities while they're ramping back up their recruiting muscles and that sort of thing. That's an interesting opportunity because I think there's also a sense of anxiety around rehiring. You're talking about companies and, and people managers that are pretty high up in organizations that have never gone through layoffs just because the tech boom cycle was you know over a decade. And so now you have people that have gone through this downturn and the 
the stress of, associated with letting people go, not to mention the buildup of stress prior to that of recruiting and hiring in a very demanding environment from a, from a culture and, and HR and kind of professional development environment. Like so there was a lot that went into people management. When you kind of add that up to we're struggling to hire in, you know, in office and man, it's so nice and easy to just bring in a, an agency that can quickly execute on, uh, on a challenging opportunity without any recruiting, onboarding, HR, performance reviews, one-on-ones, all the stuff that goes into managing a great team, it's pretty appealing. And even though the cost you know, obviously is, is a different equation, I think that will create opportunities for agencies that are willing to work in that way, sort of a adjacent to existing teams. So I don't know. I, I think there's some opportunity there that we're seeing. So we're cautiously optimistic and our, and our numbers for the first part of next year are certainly looking stronger than, than the latter half of this year. So yeah, that's some some reason for optimism. I'm, I'm not ready to hang up the uh, mission accomplished sign just yet, but we're seeing some of that. And that's what I'm hearing from other other folks, although I haven't caught up with Andrew lately, so maybe he's got a different point of view. You know, whether it's a blip or it's a little more of a trend, our last couple of months have certainly been busier in terms of new business coming in. And, you know, even some that we haven't won, but it's people are asking, people are wanting to start to spend. Um, you know, I think the big difference, and this goes back to what Brian said earlier about 2008, 2008, people didn't have money in the bank account. Uh, you know, so when they started to turn back on the spend, they had to spend a little to make a little bit more to then spend a little bit more to then make a little bit more. So it took a while to come out of that. By and large, people are sitting on piles of cash right now. Not everybody, but there's a lot of companies that are sitting on a lot of cash. So the minute they decide they want to start spending again, they can. And I think that's what at least I'm starting to see is that people are saying, okay, we've sat on the sidelines. We can only sit on the sidelines, especially when it comes to you know, what we do as creative we can only reuse creative for so long before it starts to become not as you know useful, not as strong, and uh, there becomes some fatigue in the market. So you know we're seeing a bit of that, and I think that you know it's gonna it's gonna be a bit of a slow roll until I believe, and this is my just you know maybe it's just my optimism, is that there's gonna start to be some new creative hitting the market in different markets and different segments, and it's gonna create this oh no we better get going. And it could lead to a second half of next year that could be incredibly strong for agencies because between the stuff that, you know, Brian mentioned in terms of just the, the more short term, we need some, some staff right now, but also bigger initiatives that we are, the agencies are always hired for. It, it could be a really strong second half of the year going into the, into 2025. Because again, the cash is there. We do know that mm-hmm. it's just a matter of, they decide to actually open up the vault and start spending it. And the consensus from both of you is sort of cautious, pragmatic optimism. But, you know, the big difference being, to your point, in the 2008 crisis, just the the absence of cash and kind of the lockup of the system and access to to cash and capital here, um, the the capital exists. It's just a more cautious spend behavior exhibited by the clients. But mid-year looking good. And then you're, you're already seeing kind of an uptick. So that's, I think, you know, for the folks who are participating today, I, you know, it'd be, I'd be curious to hear what others are seeing, but um, that seems to be at least a pretty good sentiment, pretty good, pretty good consensus across the board. I mean, um, honestly, for those who are watching right now, I mean, I'd just be curious in the chat if people are seeing an up, you know, just an up arrow, down arrow or a flat arrow, because it, it is something that, like I said, we're seeing, I'm not going to call it a trend yet because it's not, it's only a couple of months. And so it could just be some end of year or some, you know, some, some things. So I don't want to, like Brian said, I'm not ready to to make big statements, I am curious to know if this is something that everybody's seeing as a little bit of a of a thawing in the market. Yeah, that'd be great. In the research, and you know, this is a sort of very tight, compressed type of um, 
pulse check on the market, but a lot of the agency principals responded, talked about technology. And of course, Vidjet, you know, Brian, you're, you're, you're kind of pure technologist. I mean, most, most of the soda agencies have at least a pretty significant technological footprint. We've canvassed a few partners and I've participated in a few of these seminars. And of course, AI comes up and, and a bit, I think, in a different context than maybe previous sort of hype cycles of technology, you know, thinking back to um, NFTs and the uh, things like blockchain and, and distributed ledgers and so forth and and the impact on the environment. But as it pertains to the agency business, whether you're kind of a generalist creative comms or more of um, software, product design, product development, I've been surprised at the velocity, I think, of adoption, even with some nascent or clients, agency types who might not consider themselves more technologists, maybe they play more in the strategy realm. You know, we've seen adoption in kind of this planning and strategy function, of course, in the content arena with platforms like Jasper, um, creative and production seem like just ripe for things like adaptation and using all the tools at the disposal there. Uh, development, there's been some interesting, interesting tools. And of course, media, I think, has been using you know, machine learning and some predictive propensity models for quite some time. So seeing those are fine, but I'd love to hear in your, your shops respectively, where are you placing some AI bets? And then, you know, there'll be a follow-up where we'll talk a little bit about this in the client context, but I'd love to hear your, your, your view on that. What disciplines, maybe some tools, um, how you're using it to enhance productivity, if at all. Creative agencies and technical agencies like ours, by definition, we have to be early adopters or at least early evaluators of trends and technologies, kind of what that's a big part of the value we bring to our clients. So it's it's absolutely big, just baked into our DNA. The way we think is constantly internally talking about what these new tools are and where these trends are going. And I would say Vigit is a little bit more of a, a skeptical eye. You mentioned things like NFTs and blockchain and things. I mean, we, we were a little bit more of a skeptical shop, not jumping on the latest trends all the time, not retooling and repositioning ourselves to be like the agency for X with it, where X is some new trend. Um, and I think that's part of what's provided a lot of stability and longevity. We've probably missed some opportunities to take off like a rocket ship, but that's okay with me. We're much more about long-term than the short-term. Last summer, as part of our quarterly check-ins, we did an exercise to look at AI trends in three categories. One was the tools that we use and how the, how the, those tools will evolve either literally new tools popping up that didn't exist that are entirely based on AI or where we kind of landed on it was tools that are going to kind of bake in AI functionality and we'll, we'll kind of slowly boil the frog with that. And that, that seems to be where things are going. So, you know, whether it's the Google suite or tools like Zoom or, or Notion, Figma, building those, those AI enhancements into the tooling, I think that's great. We will adapt as we do with any kind of uh, software along those lines. The second category was tools that we're building and software opportunities where there was questions of, you know, do we need to hire certain skill sets to be able to tackle this stuff more? Our approach to software development has always been very much an open source, you know, API driven, like connected, um, bringing pieces together that already exist. And the sense there was, no, you know, most of these, that most of the functionality will build into software that clients are hiring us to build. We're going to be able to incorporate 
the um, AI functionality via you know cloud-based tools and integration points. And so that that was encouraging in the sense that we aren't going to have to completely rethink the way we approach software development. And the third category was roles that we have and how the how AI is going to impact either individual skill sets that we've d- developed and, and sell to clients or the approach to staffing. And the, the big thing there was thinking about junior kind of early career people where if you take like development tasks that traditionally you might bring on a, an early career developer, let them go rework a ton of data or, or go investigate some new uh, approach to something where it's a great learning opportunity for them. They're not generating a ton of value, but they're gaining really valuable experience. Well, now you're seeing a lot of that happen through AI tools. Similarly with like writing and I use ChatGPT all the time. It's basically like a collaboration partner. Like, hey, let me think about this, research that, give me some feedback on that sort of thing. It's super valuable for that sort of thing. But it's basically cutting off what would have been traditionally a collaboration point with another human being within the organization. The downstream impact of that is going to be a lack of development of young talent, I think. And so it's going to, that, that's going to be an area that will impact agencies and clients down the line. So I think we're going to have to be proactive about the impact that that has. But that's, those are kind of the three things that we, that we thought about and that we kind of keep, continue to keep an eye on seem real, relevant. Still one of Brian's words now, the skeptic. I mean, I, I think I've been most of this really light blonde, or some will call it gray hair, uh, has come from all the different swings and the new trends and the new tools and new technologies that always end up being incredibly, being incredibly important. But early on, there tends to be this over-exaggeration or over-indexing on this is what it is. You know, I, I liken a little bit what we're hearing from clients right now to years ago. It was like, hey, we need a viral video. Well, what does that actually mean? You know, uh, what do you actually mean? What are we trying to solve? And I think that's where we're hearing from people like we've got to we've got to integrate with AI. What do we got to do with AI? Okay, well, what are you trying to accomplish? What are you needing? And so I think it's a little bit of just let's just make sure that we're we're implementing right. We're experimenting where we can and you know trying things out because we need to understand it. We have to, of course. For us, of course, we're we're a much more visual and creative uh, studio. So, you know, we have been using the tools, but we've spent a lot of time even, you know, brought in our attorney just to make sure our intellectual property attorney to give us some, you know, very strong advice on what we should and shouldn't be using some of these visual uh, AI tools for. So absolutely ideation, absolutely storyboards and mood boards and, you know, those kinds of things. But when it comes to a final delivered product, we need to be very much in control of that. So we don't, we don't put ourselves and our clients in jeopardy. Uh, I think that that's the next big thing. We're already seeing it. There's some massive lawsuits out there happening when it comes to imagery. <laughs> These companies that have made their living over their whole uh, time off of protecting the intellectual property are not going to go quietly. And they shouldn't, right? That's the, one, right. Of the, one of the things. I think that's where you look at like the Adobe tool is trying to start to solve that, saying, hey, we know that we own, where we're pulling this from. So, you know, where I see part of, you know, the, the, the future, at least where we're going to be involved when it comes to AI is going to be more sandboxed, uh, experiences of AI. And it's taking assets that they know that they've created or we've created for them that they own. And some of that imagery that's, that might even be, you know, served up on a dynamic basis to, uh, their customers, you know, whether it be in banners or whatever, but it's coming from their own assets. So they know that they own those assets and they now, now they can see what the moods are like, what the, you know, look and feel are like, which really comes back to making sure it's very important that people have a strong brand and strong style guide. So they don't deviate too far from it, such that when AI is taking a look and trying to pull some imagery, particularly if they get to the point where they're letting it go direct to their customers, you know, before it's reviewed again, kind of on a personalized basis, 
but they don't have these weird outliers that all of a sudden some imagery that comes up that just does not match what their brand is at all. So that's where I see, you know, from a creative perspective, and that's coming. That's already starting, and you know, we're seeing that. But I am watching everything. We are watching everything. I'm encouraging the team to to dive in and and use and learn and, and experiment early, often, and come with ideas. And we have a weekly learning that is kind of people come and share their learnings and their way that they're experiencing you know, things, particularly with AI. And that's been very useful so far. You know, the IP point you brought up is massive. And I think that's that's really interesting and not an immediate, you know, beyond the novelty and beyond sort of, to your point, you know, the, the trendiness. I, I do think, you know, AI has been a part of the agency landscape for quite some time, even, you know, more on the performance media side. We've all used it. Rank Brain, you know, started with some some machine learning components and then certainly some of the media tools. But the thought of a, you know, an enterprising sort of junior producer, art director, or research analyst, someone on the strategy team, just uploading reams of client IP into an engine and, and kind of unleashing it to the wild is something that really is um, is key. And it's, it's you know, good on you for bringing in and consulting with, with IP counsel. On the flip side, what I'd love to hear as we get to the end of our hour here is, you know, related to client spend, and we are we're seeing some activity in the chat. It looks like Melanie said that um, they are, you know, seeing some increase in uh, brand awareness campaigns uh, over over media. So a little bit of uptick there. When we go to clients inevitably purchasing potentially procurement, have you experienced yet any challenges or opportunity or or directives from clients? Not so much. Help us be experts in AI and how it's going to influence our marketing stack and our tactics. I'm, I'm going to assume both Vigit and Instruct, you know, you're able to do that and counsel with clients. But when it comes to purchasing, are there any challenges or pressures from the clients where they're saying, tell us how AI is going to help you make us more efficient and translate that to investment and spend? Any of that uh, yet? I think we're seeing a bit of asking what types of tools we're using to be as efficient as we can so the client is certain to be gain, you know getting as much value as they can so things like using tools to capture notes and action items out of a virtual meeting where five years ago you'd have a project manager or whomever capturing all that manually and pay client paying some sort of hourly rate for that the savvy client will ask about what they're paying for there or on the developer side am I getting some value out of AI tools that I that I hear can help developers write code ten times faster, or whatever the mm-hmm. largely nonsensical point of view is. But like, there's good, there's some good questions being had there. And now I think that's an opportunity for education. Explain to the client what tools are ready and which which aren't. It get to me like that's part of the business, and that's the evolution we've gone through for for twenty some years in our business. Is a good client you want a client that's engaged and paying attention to these things, and understands what the what the tools and trends are. Who can ask a good question about? Oh, I heard I could could use these open source libraries to build this interface layer using something like React. Do you guys use those libraries or not? Are you writing it from scratch? And being able to talk about that ten years ago or whatever the time frame was is not that different now. So I, I think those are those are healthy pressures as long as you have reasonable clients that recognize that you might hear some hype about certain tools that help you do things a certain way sure. that dramatically faster, increase productivity significantly. And it's not always true, but there's there's usually some balance there. You know, I'd agree in terms of a lot of it comes down to just that more pragmatic, practical use of AI. It is the virtual assistant listening in and giving you the, the notes from your uh, meeting, you know, stuff like that, that you help them to understand. They go, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, it's great. 
Um, I think the other piece is, you know, we've had people ask us, you know, some of those questions and we said, look, we're happy to help you explore that. But, you know, what sort of budget do you want to put towards that at this point in terms of exploration for your particular business? And, you know, typically people are saying, well, let's get back to you on that. We're not quite there yet. And I think, you know, they'll, they'll want to get there. But I think also AI is getting layered into everything already. So the tools that they are already using will likely, if they aren't already, of course, whatever the client is, will start to have AI baked into it anyway. And so they won't have to worry as much of what their investment you know, might be in terms of building something or, or having to, to develop a way to harness it just themselves. So I think that, you know, that'll really be a piece of it as well. They're going to start to see the benefits of it regardless because whatever tools they are already licensing or processes that they're already you know, using technology for will just have it in for them if it's not already starting. So sounds like from your experience, it's more you're helping clients. You're you're definitely biased over on the expertise side, helping them get smart about uh, the platforms, sharing where it makes sense in either the MarTech stack, the ultimately the creative and strategic product. There's some utility there to your point around collecting notes and research and but not you, you haven't really encountered yet maybe that procurement team with the saying, you know, really sharpen the pencil down to a razor. We'd like to see massive headcount reductions in some of these statement of work because we know you can do things faster. We're, we're not yeah. saying that. I mean, yeah. And, and but again, I mean, that that will come in the form of a healthy competitive marketplace, right? Sure. Agencies that somehow are adopting AI faster or can work so much better, more quickly, all those kinds of things will come along and eat our lunch if we're not being smart about how we're adopting those. So agencies that aren't Thinking that way and recognizing that competition is coming, um, and embracing it like like we always have, like yeah, you're gonna you're gonna struggle. But for companies like Struck and Vigit, I mean, we've been around long enough. We have a lot to lose by over betting on, you know, and over promising on what these different tools can use. Whereas the upstarts can try things out, and if it fails, oh well, they're, they're on to the next. So it's it's part of being an established agency is to be savvy about how you're, you know, how quickly you're adopting those things and evaluating them. And again, I I welcome. It. I think it's. A lot of exciting trends. I think there's lots of really, really powerful stuff that's going to happen. I think we'll. I think the ultimate impact is not going to be job loss and a dystopian nightmare. It's going to be huge productivity gains, and everybody that's good at adopting tools the right way will will gain in those that productivity and and benefit from it. So, I'm an optimist for that. Although I guess there is this dystopian uh, Terminator Two level take over the world type stuff, but that seems yeah. a little bit unrealistic. No, it sounds great and. Listen, it's it's been a great discussion, and always I think our participants. I think Soda puts out great content. We're happy to bolster this conversation with with this content that uh, we share today, which uh, which I encourage participants to download. But great to hear from some veterans, but some real forward thinking perspectives in the space, both on where. You think 2024 is going to go, um, investments in technology, capability, adaptation. I'd say, you know, where I sit, certainly on the technology side, but working with a lot of lot, a lot of agencies and consultancies is just tremendous resilience through these, these bumpy times and um, just kind of a hallmark of the space. So I appreciate the time and the insights and share with you kind of some I guess some Yuletide uh, hope and cheer that uh, spends will rebound, and, and maybe uh, maybe Jerome gave us a little bit of a Christmas miracle in the uh, the Fed uh, minutes uh, yesterday. We'll see. We'll see how that pans out. But thanks, thanks, guys. It's been really, really good. Yeah, thank you. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, let us know by giving the show a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform and leaving a comment. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, you can do so anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And to learn more about the power of Cantata's purpose-built technology, go to cantata.com. Thanks again for listening.